0: Well, good morning, my friends. Uh, Podcast number 281 for Friday, May 7th. Uh, I'm excited. I'm enjoying the Book of Mark. I wanted to kind of preface my remarks today by saying, understand that these are not uh, in this little series that we're doing in Book of Mark. This is a book study. This is not uh, um, sermonizing or or, um, trying to give you just nuggets for you to live by. We're actually looking through Mark's Mark's gospel, really through the eyes of Peter, a follower of Christ, and we're looking at what Jesus did, not so much what he said. Although in this particular uh, message this morning, we look at the emotions of the people as they respond to what Jesus was saying and what Jesus is doing. We're in Mark chapter 1 in this um, in Mark one, we're looking at the servant's authority. remember we're talking about the suffering servant Jesus Christ from isaiah fifty three the Bible says here in our key verse matthew or excuse me mark chapter ten mark chapter ten verse forty five our key verse that I hope you'll memorize for even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many we're we're talking about how Jesus is this servant and yet Jesus has his this authority and really in chapter 1 we're looking kind of at these three scenes one is his temptation um and how he did so well in that temptation and immediately as the temptation is done Jesus um uh gets to work. Now the heading in Mark in my or the subheading says Jesus begins his ministry. Now Mark uh through Peter's eyes is just relating what he did right here immediately after this temptation. But we know that the 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 gospels uh if you laid over the top and and sometimes find a book that does that that puts all the gospels together and you'll be able to look at the the chronology and the time frame of this what this means is Jesus begins to minister in this particular situation in John's gospel he had already been about the business we're going to see where he calls his disciples here um there was. this was not the first encounter that Jesus had with his disciples. John talks about the first encounter with Jesus has with his disciples. And many disciples at that time or people of that time would be followers of a particular person or rabbi or something, someone. And they would continue to go about the business of uh, their occupations. And we're gonna see here that Jesus calls them away from their occupations to do um, something uh, completely different. No longer would you fish for fish, but you would fish for men. And that statement, fishing fishing for men, according to Wearsby, was was not first used by Jesus. It was used by those around. It was this uh, sending out of uh, a little tidbits of, of message, um, kind of baiting the hook to get people to, to, to come, uh, to their side of the belief or to follow them in, in what, um, they were teaching. And so fishers of men here is really just a, it's a, a common phrase, but in this particular situation, it means exactly what Jesus wants it to mean. Um, I've been accused of, Needing to get new material, because I use the phrases over and over again um, uh, because it's what it 's what I know, right so Jesus uses again the common language of the people and a common phrase, and he says, "Follow me, I will make you fishers of men, and in this particular case, what Jesus is doing is different than a lot of the the rabbis or the leaders of that time because he's literally calling them to lay down their occupation and begin to follow him. So we're in Mark chapter 1, we're in this um uh second scene. We're after the temptation of Christ and now we're going to talk about from verse 14 through 22. We're going to we're going to take a look at this and then we'll get as far as we get, right? And af- now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee. Um John's arrested Jesus moves on. Right. It's only natural. It's it it wasn't because of fear, but uh, it was because he had uh, places to go and things to do. And he would just he would move on. John's in jail. Uh, Jesus didn't go visit him. Jesus went about the business of the gospel because God had a purpose for John being in jail. If we believe that God is sovereign, we have to believe that what comes our way comes our way because God either causes or, or allows it. Now, that's tough because we, we don't like it when bad things happen to good people. But we remember the story of Joseph. In at the end of that story in Genesis chapter 15, verse 20, he says, what you meant for evil, talking to his brothers, God meant for good. God has a purpose. God has a plan for the things that happen. Now, we get ourselves in trouble. We make bad decisions some poor decisions. And in the midst of that, God can take those things and he can work them out for our good. Um, guys go to jail or to, to prison for things. They become believers and they end up making a huge difference in a prison or a jail. They have these conversions and and then all of a sudden they see the light of uh, day and the light of the scripture. And they begin to realize that God has a purpose for their lives. And rather than knock on the jail cell and say, hey, let me out, which they couldn't do because they had to pay the price for their sin. They begin to minister for the Lord in that captivity in that situation. And they begin to set prisoners free in a spiritual sense. Um and uh he, Jesus left Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Now underline every time you see something that talks about the gospel, the gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus, because these are these are names for the same thing. They're not different uh different um uh gospels. There's only one gospel and we'll look at that. Um and what was his message? The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Um let's turn to Galatians four four uh, I just believe that it, it you know we're just going to take our time going here this morning, and I apologize that I jump you around uh but uh, but then I don't apologize either because I just believe that God has a plan for you to to get to know your Bibles and to get to know uh uh what God is doing um in our lives and and what he wants to do in our lives is to tell, help us to understand that God has a plan for our lives and God desires to do something great in our lives now that scripture just completely left my mind but this <laughs> i 'm sorry about that uh you can write this down look it up later where where god says in the in the in the perfect time, in the in the perfect time, God said his son, Jesus Christ, born under the law, born of a woman, born under the law. Uh, some of you already probably know that right offhand, and I've forgotten what it was this morning. See, I don't even clean these things up when I make mistakes. But my point is that God is a God of perfect timing. We don't think that at times because we call upon him and it doesn't seem that he answers when we call. But the reality is, is that Jesus knows the beginning, the middle and the end. Hebrews 13, 8. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. Okay. And what was his message? The kingdom of God is at hand. Some, some of that version say is near. It's now. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, we're so amped up in our society about love, and I'm and love is everything, right? It's so important. It's it's so powerful. But what was Jesus' message? Love, love, love. No, Jesus said, repent, repent, and believe in the gospel. Don't believe whatever you want to believe. It's okay that you believe this, and you believe this. That's what we hear in our society. This, you know, this. This morphed gospel somehow that says it's okay to believe what you want as long as you love people. No, no, no. Jesus came and his message was clear. We need to repent. And repentance is this, this changing and this, this this complete changing of the way that we live. Now, there is a difference between remorse and repent. Let Let me show you what remorse looks like. In Matthew, let's go back to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27, verses three through five. This is this is important, write these scriptures down. Matthew chapter 27, three through five. Here's what remorse looks like. Then when jo- Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind, brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See to it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed and went and hanged himself. That's remorse. That's not repentance. That is, I've done wrong. How can I fix what I have done? That's remorse. And that's what we try to do in our society. And in a sense, when we're just remorseful, um, we are sorry about what happened, but it doesn't necessarily change our ways. Judas was sorry and he could have run back to the group. He could have run back to 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 where he came and the people that he hurt and he and he could have fallen on his face and he could have asked for forgiveness. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and obviously I'm not going to get very far in this today, but that's okay. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8, for even if I made you grieve with my letter, Paul talking here to the Corinthians, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that that letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a Godly grief, so that you suffer no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Not just physical death, as we saw in the case of Judas, but this death of our of our uh, uh, emotions, this death of where we're at. And so there is this big difference between godly grief and worldly grief. Godly grief leads to repentance. Worldly regret leads to remorse. It leads to, 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 to um, mental health issues, and it, it, it just decays or causes death in our hearts, our minds, our souls, our emotions. We need to understand today that what God calls us to do is not just to feel sorry for our actions. What God calls us to do is to repent and to turn away from what we were doing. Let's go on. Verse 16. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting an end in the sea, and they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately, underline that, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boats, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and followed help. This was the calling to discipleship. The first time that he had uh, ministered to them in John chapter 1, verses 35 through 49. We won't go there. You can look that up. Jesus is is, is walking along and doing these things, and they they hear John... The Baptists say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And they began to not follow John anymore, but now they begin to follow Jesus. So there was this initial following where they were interested in what Jesus was doing. And then after that, they went back to their nets. And now here in Mark, we see Jesus calling them to discipleship. There's often confusion where people say, Well, see, Mark says this and John says this, and he couldn't have called him twice. You're right. He couldn't have called them twice. They started to follow him because of what John the Baptist had said in John chapter one, 35 through 49. And then Jesus walks by that particular place where they are fishing. And when he does that, um, this time he calls them to join him in his ministry and they will leave their nets behind. And people say, well, oh, poor Zebedee. He he left it all there. They left their work to their father. So they were disrespectful to their father. No, it's obvious that Zebedee was able to, to handle this because in verse 20, and immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with who? The hired servants and they followed him. It's not to be disrespectful here. It's not a, a form of disrespect which by the way in that particular culture this could have been seen as disrespectful. But Jesus understood the situation and understood that Zebedee had plenty of help. And and Zebedee would would come to find that his sons picked a much better calling. They followed Jesus. So I guess this morning as I as I kind of wrap this up in at verse 20 and we'll pick up in verse 21. Um Without even trying um, um, to to come up with a theme, it, it seems this morning that really what it led to or, or what, what it's leading to is this difference between godly sorrow, which leads to repentance, godly grief, which leads to repentance, or human remorse, which leads to really mental health issues. and And it leads to a life of regret. See, we need a place to go. When we're, uh, when we're grieving, we need a place to go when we realize we've made a mess of it. We need someone to go to. And can I challenge you this morning, not just to feel sorry for what you have done, but to come to Christ in repentance and say, God, please forgive me for what I have done. Not, oh, wow, that was bad. And I'm going to turn over a new leaf and I'll never, ever, 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 ever do that again until the next time. Say godly sorrow leads to repentance. Worldly sorrow leads to just being remorseful and just adding on and saying to ourselves, I've failed again. No, it's time to quit that process. It's time to get out of that rat trap and it's time to come to Christ in true humility, with true grief and say, forgive me for I've sinned and he will. And he will, and the Bible says in First John chapter 1 and verse 9, when we come to him, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me pray for us. In Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Till so we talk again.